Welcome to Bleacher Blum, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now, the current master of banter for the Houston Astros television broadcast team, Blummer. And here we are. We are back again. Happy New Year to everybody listening in the bleachers with David Tuttle and I. And just a quick update again, this is Bleacher Blum's podcast. It's brought to you by Jeff Blum and my good buddy David Tuttle across the way out there on the left coast. I, of course, Jeff Blum, and I am down here in Houston and I currently work as the Astros broadcaster and considering considering that we might be talking a little bit more about sign stealing and the update on that. I might as well disclose that I am an Astro employee. So the news that is coming out is uh, rather interesting. We'll get to that soon. But for the time being, I'm going to bring in my good buddy, David Tuttle. We're going to try and get this into you in the next hour because we got a little bit of a time crunch because we have been busy after that new year. David Tuttle, how you doing and how is your new year going, man? Great. Do we have to talk about it? I know you're an Astros employee. Can't we just skip that all, all together? No. Well, the only, the fun part about the science stealing is now it's not just the Astros. It's exactly okay. what we said earlier in our podcast previously where there's another team. There's going to be more teams. I don't believe it. Other teams are copying other teams to get in a competitive advantage in a highly paid professional uh, endeavor. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, Tongue in cheek, he says. But uh, yeah, I'm doing well, Blummer. Happy New Year. And we are definitely excited to get this podcast out to everybody. We saw some feedback on Twitter. And obviously, uh, we didn't send enough social media out there. But Jeff and I got together uh, over the holidays right after Christmas, before New Year's, to play around a golf and to... uh, just kind of catch up live and uh, it was a great time. So I hope you guys had a great trip out to California. I know uh, you did some other things besides play golf with your buddies, but uh, it was enjoyable. And uh, now I, now I just have the incentive to go work on my golf game a little bit. Yeah, you should. Cause you played incredibly well that day, uh, making some great shots and it was good. We talk about environment a lot. A lot of the time you will play some of your best games, what, no matter what the sport is, as far as how relaxed you are. And, got seven of my other very good friends and we all kind of mixed and mingled as we played 18 holes out there in San Clemente and we had a blast and I think it was that environment that kind of became conducive to making some good shots because we weren't had no money on it it was a matter of maybe some swing oil we'll call it that we 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 embraced and enjoyed all together the good stories the good times and recapping some of the experiences we've had together led to some great shots so it was a blast being out there in California but uh, we were very grateful to get back in the state of Texas and sleep in our own beds. But a very good time hanging out with you, uh, David. And you made some good shots, man. You should work on that game. You know, I think I've touched on this before. I think when you're relaxed and you go out there with buddies, it's kind of nice to be like, ah, you know, no expectations. And being a former athlete, I like to say, um, you know, you don't have a lot of expectations behind it. But then as you start to kind of ooh, get in the groove and, you know, your swing oil uh, lubes up everything, and you do hit a couple of good shots, then the intensity and the expectation goes up a little bit. And so typically my first or second round out after having played for a while, I, I fare well. And then after that, it's kind of like, all right, you know, now keep your head down, you know, get your hands in the right spot, you know, pick your target out, which way is the wind blowing? And all of a sudden, you know, the golf game goes to hell. So, you know, it's something you definitely have to work at. And I want to kind of keep it on the, uh, the fringes of just taking it seriously enough to maybe win some money in some rounds, but, you know, keeping it lighthearted enough to, you know, have a couple, uh, a couple of adult beverages and, and, and enjoy the people that I'm with. So I think we, uh, I think we manage that. 
yeah, golf is a fun game until my swing goes awry. And obviously ball flight has a lot to do with the enjoyment of the game. And sometimes it can be a little sporadic, but you know, that's to be expected. It's not a, a perfect sport for us, but it's a good time to get out there and spend some time with each other and, and talk about the good times and enjoy some of the uh, weather. It was beautiful when we were out there. Uh, it's been beautiful out here in Houston, which has been a very good time, but it's been good to get back in the city of Houston. It's been good to get back around a lot of our friends and family. We celebrated the new year with a lot of friends and family here in, in uh, Houston. The girls are back in school. We actually boarded our dog for seven days and we got to get her back. So it's always nice reuniting with our dog, Chloe, and it kind of it was kind of funny the other day when you kind of get everybody back in the mold and you get back into your routine, you kind of embrace that enjoyment a little bit. And our dog in particular loves to play fetch. She's amazing. If I, she, if she's standing outside the door right now and I say ball, she immediately recognizes she'll probably start clawing at the door going, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. And she's eight years old now. So she's a little bit older, getting a little bit slower. It's, it's becoming a little more apparent, you know, the, the muzzles getting a little more white and uh, long in the tooth, but we had her out running around and I'm playing fetch with her for a good half an hour. She's panting. We get back inside and that night she's laying on the couch and I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, man, if I could only sleep as good as Chloe. And she's like, I know, isn't it so cute? And we were just adoring our dog at that moment. I said, that dog lives to chase a ball. It's unbelievable. And I just kind of said it as a matter of fact. And guess what my wife says? She pops up, looks at me and goes, you did the same thing. It's true. It's <laughs> true. We no do. Comeback. She got me. She got you. We do. We live to chase a ball. And I think that's a great line. We give Corey full credit for that. But it's uh, it is true. And I think the more we do chase the ball, the better we sleep. I know our dog, uh, we didn't board the dog. We actually sent the dog with uh, my mother-in-law while we went away for about five or six days. And uh, it's funny how she either ruins them. It's kind of like sending your children to spend time with grandma. And they have, you know, milkshakes before dinner. And grandma looks at you and says, I don't care if you have milkshakes for dinner. But, you know, Alfred came back and he was very comfortable sleeping on the furniture and climbing his way around stuff. Like, no, 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 we don't do that in this house. Like, come on, buddy, you got to. You got to tighten it up and uh, buckle down. I think really one of the best things about going on vacation, and I may have said this prior, but is is getting home. It's yeah. so weird because we enjoy it. But like you said, I, I you know I saw some photos and obviously got to touch base with you while you're out here. But you just go, you go full bore, and you know sleeping in a hotel is great and it's nice to have some time away and you know you're not worried about the day to day stuff when you're out of your house. Man, there's something about coming home and doing a load of laundry and putting your feet up on the couch. So I really enjoyed getting back, and I'm really excited to be back here with the podcast. So um, should that lead us into the mailbag, I think? And um, there's a ton of Houstonians out there uh, chomping at the bit to hear us again. I really like this email, so we'll start off with this. There's about six or seven. This is from Eric M., he is a uh, former Marine, a Department of Defense Army civilian, and he's currently stationed in Germany. So we do have some reach out there. We appreciate you and your service. Thank you. Ain't that the truth? All right. So he says, hey, guys, started listening with episode number 46. So, all right, Eric, get back and get the other 45 <laughs> out of the way, please. Um, and since Blummer talked me off the ledge about my beloved Astros, I finally have forgiven him for the 2005 World Series heartache he gave me with the Game 3 blast. How about that? Appreciate I'll that. I'll spare you a long story for another mailbag, please. That's <laughs> great. Uh, anyway, my interest perked up when you and you and John Cryer, or Tuttle, sorry, he sounds like him to me. How about that? I got a John <laughs> Cryer go. thing. I want to sound like the other guy. I want to sound like... Uh, 
you know, Charlie, Charlie Sheen. I want to sound like, uh, I want to sound like Tiger Blood. That's what I was trying to yeah, get just at. Say Liger Blood. And you'll be, you'll be Charlie Sheen. There you go. So anyway, my interest perked up when you and John Cryer or Tuttle, sorry, he sounds like him to me, talked about getting autographs. I'm in complete agreement with you guys. Your personal life is yours and fans invading your privacy is a huge no-go. All right. Uh, All right. A question. Is there any way for us common folk to shoot the breeze and get an autograph at a Minute Maid Maid Park before a game? Semper Fi. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's up to you. You told them to send my mail uh, to Minute Maid if they wanted any feedback from me. But you do. Um, I mean, I'm just going to preface this because I've seen you post pictures. Mm-hmm. People that listen to the podcast, but also just listeners of uh, AT&T Sportsnet there, don't they get a little uh, selfie time with you if you're caught wandering around going to the snack shack and wherever else? No, yeah. If you see me on the concourse, and I, I, I absolutely implore people to come over and say hi. I don't bite. You know, the, the ball player blum might have bitten, but, uh, you know, now that I'm in the booth and I'm a little more affable and approachable, come up and say hi. Uh, I, you know, this day and age, you know, the, the selfie is now the new autograph, I guess. You know, if you have that selfie on your phone and you want to get that selfie, come talk to me. And if you have something to autograph, bring it to the yard and we can work something out uh, to the point where I've had people tweet me. And if I have enough time, I will I'll meet them down in the field or go down to the concourse. But, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's the fans doing a better job and maybe myself doing a better job too, making myself a little more available on the concourse. But it's kind of tough on game days because we're actually prepping for the game. And my timeline is different than a fan's timeline. You know, traffic coming to the park and I've got production meetings and things like that. But if there is ever a moment where I'm within arm's reach, shouting reach, give me a holler, we'll make it happen, sign whatever you need. Um, but to the point of getting tuttling on the action. And this actually just happened this week. We've got a new sponsor moving forward after this podcast It's going to be St. Arnold brewery. I know it's shocking. They've been great to us, but they also love the podcast and they want to be a part of it. So they've offered to sponsor it, but we also do a lot of meet and greets with St. Arnold at the brewery and around town in Houston. So keep your eyes open on social media at Blummer 27 on Twitter and Instagram. And you'll be able to find out some of those dates and some of those times where I'll be a little more available than normal and come out there and see us. But Tuttle, St. Arnold asked me in the meeting, they said, when is Tuttle going to get out here so we can record a podcast at the brewery? So just keep your eyes and ears tuned to uh, social media, and you'll have a pretty good idea when we might be available. Awesome. Yeah, and that's that's exciting for me, too. Um, You know, I I, I agree with you that uh, maybe the minor leagues had a little different uh, kind of timeline and availability to the fans. But you know, when you think about how hard it is to make the big leagues in general, but also that there are specific times when you have to be focused and, you know, focused on your job, you know, I would relate that to your job currently. But like you said, it's probably a lot more, you have a lot more free time and a lot more availability. But, you know, folks do have to remember that Minimade Park is your place of employment. And, uh, you know, if you turn them down or cordially say, hey, let's do it tomorrow, then, uh, you know, hopefully everybody can respect that because I know you'll be good to uh, go if uh, if you can. Um, I was going to say one other thing about the, uh, let's see, what was the, um, oh, just when we finished last podcast, I got a couple cards in the mail, like five or six baseball cards in the mail, along with a $10 bill came to my residence and I thought, yeah, cause I was like, you know what? I don't, I'm not signing the cards. I don't want them to realize that, you know, this is something that I forgive. I'll just send the $10 bill back. My wife's like. (laughs) Hello. <laughs> I think if you send it back, they're going to know. Yep. So we have I, evidence. Yes, I pinned the $10 bill to my board here. I feel bad. 
um, to me, that's an indi indicator that, you know, maybe there's business end to uh, them signing the cards and maybe not. Maybe it's a hobby. So I actually didn't read the letter because I don't want to get tied into it. But I, I just thought I'd share that with you. It was really funny. I got home from the holidays and was like, oh, here's a guy who does not listen to our podcast. So maybe that's what I should send back. But they realize <laughs> follow me on Twitter. Do yep. not send stuff to my house. Um, send it to Minute Maid Park if you want David go. Tuttle to get it. I'll make sure he gets it. Care of Jeff Blum or Bleacher Blums. How about yeah, that? Bleacher Blums. Blums. There you go. You go care of Bleacher Blums. All right. So uh, moving on. Next question. Now, Tracy G has uh, commonly written in, and uh, we will just uh, continue to read her emails on the air because uh, she's a loyal follower, but also has some great insight and questions. So Tracy said, hey, Merry Christmas. I just flew from Houston to Denver and listened to the latest podcast on the way. Thank you so much. That was probably about three weeks ago. <laughs> I've been a teacher for 24 years. I have advised many young and old teachers over the years not to give their cell phone numbers to parents, not to be friends with them on Facebook. I believe like y'all do, there needs to be a separation from work and home. I have stood by this. My own personal philosophy for years, some parents get mad. Some parents think I'm standoffish, but I'm a professional. And in all honesty, they probably learn more about me from their kids retelling my hilarious stories and tall tales from tall tales and adventures than any other social media post would even tell. Anyway, I don't really have a question, just a plug for treating teachers as professionals too. I'll be ordering my ball cap when I get back, and we'll see you at FanFest, Blummer. So there you go. Yeah, no, I, I think this day and age with the, the availability and maybe the accessibility of people, whether it be email, cell phones, and whatever the expectation is, is that you will give me your number and I can contact you anytime I want to get whatever you need. But it's a good point. You know, as much as we rely on teachers to provide the education to our kid, we also forget that they are professionals and they do need to have their time. You know, we need to respect that. Yeah. And and I and I think it goes deeper than just teachers, obviously. I mean, this is what we talked about. This is kind of everybody. I mean, you know, if you if you have a you know, a place of business and you're doing business there, great. That that's what the topic is and that's what we're going to do and that's what we're going to discuss. Um, and if you are a friend or, you know, it turns into a friendship or it evolves, like most relationships, you can't you can't form a friendship in one minute just because I recognize you from TV. It doesn't work that way. Or just because I recognize you from school. And typically, I think teachers are in a tougher position because if a parent's calling a teacher, mm, it's not about the general benefit of the class and the environment, typically. It's about little Billy, and little <laughs> Billy needs some special attention. So, uh, you know, we just, we do. We have to respect that that these people know um, what they're doing, any of these professionals, and that, you know, we respect their time away from, you know, the school and away from their, uh, you know, their place of employment. So enough said about that. This is a great question. It says it's a silly question. This is from Becky. And I like this question. I have a couple thoughts on it, and uh, I haven't prepped you, Blummer, for this, but uh, she writes, this may be a silly question, but having never played sports at a high level, I've always wondered what the deal was with spitting in baseball. Where does that habitual need to spit on the ground every 10 seconds come from? And many times, guys are not even in the game, and they still constantly spit all over the dugout. Also, when a player is shown getting a drink from the water cooler, he usually just spits the water out anyway. Is it monkey see, monkey do, or an aspect of the male species that needs no understanding? That's how she writes that. That's funny. That is you funny. Take... What do you got? All right. Yeah. You're going to let me lead <laughs> off with that one. Because there's probably some clinical thing behind it, but I have no yeah. idea what it is. 
So I think it's about four or five things. I mean, we can touch on the top two or three. So certainly there's the monkey see, monkey do piece. But, uh, you know, baseball is a really interesting sport. We've talked about this probably in depth prior. There's a lot of standing around. You know, it's kind of like you're waiting, and then it's a very explosive thing. So if you even take it just to the mechanisms of pitching and hitting, you're kind of standing on the rubber. You're looking in there for the sign. And then, you know, you slowly, I mean, if you look at like Japanese pitchers, you know, how slow their motion is, you slowly get to the spot where wham, you know, it's very explosive. So it's a lot of kind of standing around and, you know, hitting's the same thing. Guys have a funny stance, they're doing whatever, they're getting, you know, they have their little quirks, they're doing something, and then it's explosive. So there's a lot of kind of mental preparation that goes on. So what do you do when you have a lot of free time? A lot of guys have habits, you know, people twiddle their thumbs, bite their nails. Um, you add in chewing gum, seeds, and tobacco, and all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of like an orally fixated habit that the sport has created. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I mean, I see you smiling, but it's like it's a combination of all these things. I mean, you think about how much time you spend at the ballpark. People come out to the game at 7.05 and the thing's over by 10 o'clock. You're at the yard at like 2 in the afternoon. You're looking at film, you're eating meals, you go get your workout in, you're standing in the outfield at batting practice, you're taking ground balls. It's a very kind of loose working environment. You're outdoors. I mean, what do guys do when they fish or they hunt? You know, a lot of guys chew gum, seeds, tobacco, whatever it is. And, you know, and I think there's kind of, it's a free space to be yourself. And I think that, you know, with the oral fixation, like I mentioned with gum, seeds, chewing tobacco, it just kind of, is fostered and and it continues and if you start you know playing in the minor leagues and you're there for two or three years i mean i didn't like chewing tobacco when i first started playing baseball and then you know after a couple of years you're like oh you know you're sitting in the bullpen on day 150 you're like hey you know i've had enough gum and seeds i'll try chewing tobacco and then you, i mean you can attest to all this stuff i oh, see yeah. last but i'm sure it's you know it's part environment it's part the fact that gum seeds and tobacco are readily available and it's, you know, I mean, it's part men, I mean, and then part mm -hmm. of the monotony. So there's, there's, there's four factors I got. Yeah, I, I can't explain it either. I think it's just in the, it's the environment has a lot to do with it. And I'm sure there's something in the physicality of playing a sport, running, sweating, spitting, production of saliva, who knows. But to Tuttle's point, you know, the seeds create, you know, saliva because of the taste and the gum does the same thing. Truth be told, never dipped in my life. Saw some 300-pound lineman at Cal do it in 1992. He turned green, fell over, and puked. And I was like, hmm, I weigh half that guy's weight, and I don't want to be that guy. So I never did it, never had a, you know, an affinity for the taste or, or, or the, the actual act of it. But it, obviously, chewing tobacco is going to make you spit a ton. But a funny story about that, 1992, we go to the College World Series. It'll be my first time playing on ESPN. And my mom goes, just promise me two things. Don't spit so much and don't grab your cup when you're on TV. I said, okay, okay, mom, I won't. And the game gets over with. And she's like, you couldn't uphold your promise. You couldn't, you couldn't help yourself, could you? And I'm going, well, I had to spit, you know, I had a saliva in this. She goes, but you had to keep grabbing your cup. And I'm going, I didn't grab my cup. And sure enough, I'm watching the video. And I mean, it was like an unconscious, just got to make the adjustments, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny. I really think it's almost it's not a nervous tick. That's not the right thing to say. But yeah, your mind gets so focused and so honed in on other things. Whatever those habits are you do, you do unconsciously or subconsciously. Yeah. And you see it all the time. I mean, you really do. So I'm not 
I'm not here to justify it. I'm just saying, oh, I mean, I guess I was thinking the spitting the water. So I, I still now do a lot of working out. Typically, you don't want to guzzle a bunch of water. It's like mm -hmm. you take a sip, you wet your whistle, you know, maybe swallow a little bit, and then you spit the rest of it out. You're not, you're not drinking it to, uh, you know, because you're dying of thirst, you're drinking it to kind of wet your whistle. And then again, that creates saliva and guys will spit. But you know, I mean, put 25 guys in a in a in a closed area, and the other guy's spitting, and that guy's spitting. You know, I mean, you know, it's like being in a gorilla, you know, a, a group of gorillas like wandering around. So there's there's a little of a manhood thing to it too. But I think like most a, of it's pretty unconscious. I really yeah. do. It's like the scene from Stand by Me. One dude pukes, and then everybody else in the place is puking. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Was that the pie eating contest, or was that right before? Yeah. <laughs> oh, right after. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, let's see. We've got one last question. They'll kind of lead us into the topic uh, du jour, or probably something that I know you wanted to talk about. So this is from uh, from James. Um, let's see. Not the James we know. Uh, question. With the new rules that the Red Sox may have also used the video room illegally in 2018, I truly believe things like this were happening league-wide for several years. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a huge shakeup of the division standings in 2020 once the stuff is better policed by MLB. Will be interesting to see if the stat lines for some of the hitters, pitchers shift dramatically. Your thoughts. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Blum, I'm jealous of your recent trip to Galaxy's Edge. Hoping cool. to take the family later this year. So there you go. Yeah, as if I need to plug Disney any more than they already do. They do every single thing right. And that's kind of what my wife and I were talking about as we went through Disneyland with the kids out there on the West Coast. Um, go to go see Star Wars. They did an unbelievable job. The detail's incredible. Everything's life size. You feel like you're in, you know, in the movie. You're a part, you're a character in there. They've done a great job on that. So I appreciate that and highly recommend everybody visit that. But yes, the sign stealing is something that I was gonna get to. But for everybody listening or new to Bleacher Blums, you can go to bleacherblums.com. You can check out some of the swag. You can uh, try and figure out who Tuttle is. He's got some information on there. You can get to us. Um, there's an archive like Tuttle was talking about earlier as far as past bot podcasts you can get to. But there's also the mailbox where you can actually reach out, give us some questions, or give us some feedback. We always appreciate the politeness and congeniality in it. It makes it a little more uh, easy for us to read those emails. So we appreciate everybody who does have these emails. And Tuttle does a good job of getting through some of those and talking about the uh, questions that do come through. And I know it has been talked about to nauseum. And I know Tuttle is one of, in, in that group that's probably like uncle. But being an Astro employee, being around Astro employees, being around Astro fans and being in the city, it is the topic. You know, it, at first it was the Reed Ryan, Nolan Ryan, Ryan being demoted in the, in the organization. And now it is the sign stealing that has really taken hold of uh, and captivated a lot of what the Astro fans are talking about. And a lot of it is because the hot stove is not hot down here, here in Houston. They're actually losing guys on their ball club. Garrett Cole's gone. Hector Rondone is gone. Will Harris is gone. So it, Robinson Chirinos just signed with the Texas Rangers. So there's a lot of movement going away from Houston, not so much as far as guys coming in. So I think that's why the sign stealing is kind of still at the forefront. And I'm hoping here in the next week or so from everything I hear that the consequences will come down. But an interesting article, article came out in The Athletic, again from Ken Rosenthal, Evan Drellich, and lo and behold, Tuttle and I talked about this, maybe episode 46, 47, about the sign stealing, saying, yes, doing the video surveillance in real time, bad. Shame on you. 
banging the trash can because of what you're seeing on the screen, shame on you. We get that. But we also said it is league-wide. It is widespread. It is something that every team does to a different extent. Obviously, winners win. They're more talented. They've got better personnel, but they've also executed the sign-stealing better. So guess what? Boston Red Sox, 2018 World Series champions, have been found to have used their video room to be able to steal signs and relay them to the dugout and relay them to the hitter to give themselves a competitive advantage. Now, we knew this was going on. Now it's going to start coming out. Now, do, are the consequences going to be the same for everybody, or are the Astros still going to be the number one bowl that they put in the pen and just crush? I don't know. I'm curious, but at the same time, there were a couple of points that I wanted to put down. And the reason sign stealing goes on is because hitting is a reactionary thing in baseball. We don't hold the baseball. We can't dictate what's going to happen. We have to wait to see what the pitcher does. And Tuttle can attest to this. He's getting the sign, figuring out the location, throwing the pitch. As a hitter, I've got to react. And when the the, the dreaded when I played quote when i played guys there were two guys that maybe threw 100 miles an hour now i feel like every damn guy that comes out of the bullpen is throwing 100 miles an hour so you took my half second of reaction time and dropped it to 0.3.4 and all of a sudden you've got wicked 90 mile an hour sliders i've got to adjust to so i'm just trying to give you an idea of why we look to get an advantage as far as knowing what pitch is coming tuttle am i wrong no, not at all. Back when I played. Right? I hate doing it. I try no, so no. hard to stay away from it, man. I know. It's true, though. It's true. And, <laughs> and, and, I, and I would agree with you. I mean, I, even when I was coming up, it was kind of like the reason you get drafted is, you know, you were one of the harder throwers in college. And then you start looking at these guys, especially during the steroid era. And it went from everybody through 92 to everybody through 96. And now, guys, you know, they start training earlier and they have Tommy John earlier and all those muscles are more developed and all of a sudden guys are throwing 97 98 i mean it, every yeah. bullpen has like two dudes that throw 98 and you know 20 years ago there was like one or two guys in the whole major leagues and guys were scared of him that guy was you know nuclear loose he couldn't hit the back broadside <laughs> of a barn and so you were like all right let's just wait till he centers one or you know he has trouble doing this um you know he has trouble throwing his breaking ball over so he could sit on a pitch whatever it is I wanted to kind of add something because the the tone of the question, and I know we wanted to use that question to kick off this topic. Um, you know, for 2020, he said, you know, 2020 is going to be interesting is how he started his email. We're going to change the, uh, you know, a little bit of our format in the sense that we aren't going to be so Astros heavy. And I think you made an excellent point about the fact that the reason the Astros, at least in that environment in Houston, they're talking about this is Garrett Cole signed elsewhere. If they had signed him, that'd be great. You know, Will Smith signed with the Nash Nationals. So, ooh, Will right. Harris. I'm sorry, Will Harris. Why do I say Will Smith? That's so silly. I get those guys. Mixed. Easy, Joe Buck. Yeah, easy, easy. Yeah, that's right. Joe Buck. That's why. Because we've talked about <laughs> So Will Harris signed with the uh, the dreaded rival, the arch rival. Now, um, you know, I mean, there are these things where everybody's kind of leaving town and nothing's coming in yet. And so maybe when they start getting some action and some free agency, but obviously they're going to try and hand out these penalties first. But like I said, we want to get away from all this Astros talk. But basically in his question, James said, I think I think we'll see a huge shakeup in the division standings is what he said. And I actually just wanted to kind of refute that a little bit. I don't. And I think you and I have touched about, you know, talked about this off air. Uh, the best teams are still the best teams. And every team, as we're exploring here, the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Astros, the top teams 
have a lot more revenue and maybe some other avenues to kind of uh, be creative with the sign stealing aspect. But, you know, the Mariners still have, are the Mariners. And if they did sign stealing and the Astros are doing sign stealing, I kind of use this argument with steroids. I was really frustrated. My mom and people that, you know, care about me maybe a little more deeply than others were like, you know, you should have done steroids. Or if you didn't, you know, those people should be punished. I mean, I don't think there's anybody out there that thinks Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds would not have made the Hall of Fame had they not done steroids. Good I mean, they're getting a slap on the wrist or they're getting. But I, you know, I never claim I, if I did steroids, I wouldn't have been Roger Clemens. And if he didn't do steroids, he wouldn't have been me. Like he was still one of the preeminent pitchers. That's an excellent point. Yeah. So so I kind of feel the same way about this. I mean, do we want to eradicate things that are you know, trying to gain an illegal competitive edge or what we look as as a, a you know, something that's not kind of for the uh, the betterment of the game or, you know, ethically uh, acceptable. Absolutely. I mean, we've talked about that, you know, quite a bit, but I, I don't think I guess that's the short answer is I don't think we're going to see a huge shakeup of division standings. You know, Alex Bregman and Carlos Correa and Altuve and, you know, same with the Yankees. You go around their infield. I mean, you know, those guys are still the better players. Uh, in the league, and I think you'll see that, that those teams that spend on payroll and have good leadership and are focused on winning are the teams that are going to win this sign-stealing sign scandal. Say that three times fast, everybody. Sign-stealing scandal is something that, uh, you know, as you said, it may put a stain on this year or next year or, you know, you know uh, the era, kind of like steroids did. But I don't think it's going to be as deep and widespread. And I think once the punishments get handed down, I think we're going to see kind of a regression to the norm. And the good teams are still going to be the good teams. I'm sure you'll agree with that. No, I absolutely will. It's kind of funny you said because I did type out some notes that I was or thoughts about I, I was having on the sign stealing issue. And for Tuttle and I, who played through the steroid era, the PED era. That is something that we can kind of relate it to because baseball has always been about the integrity of the game. And that's why when you start talking about, oh, shorten the season, everybody says, oh, but the integrity of the game, because now it is a 162 game schedule. So with that being said, the PDE, PED era that we played through, the steroid era, would I'm not sure a lot of people know, it was a necessary evil during that time because it wasn't in the CBA, it wasn't illegal, they just assumed guys weren't going to do it, or if they were, they was going to be real quiet about it. But at the same time, you and I both know, having I got drafted in 1994 right after the uh, strike. So there, were, there was a major issue, you know, labor issues between owners and players, and the PEDs actually brought people back to the stadium. And that's why everybody kind of stepped back and said, okay, we know they're doing it, but it's good for the game. Home runs are happening. Pitchers are getting bigger, stronger, throwing harder, lasting longer. Hitters are hitting the ball farther. Fans are starting to show up again. But once they established, holy crap, we're making a ton of money. Let's stay on the field as long as we can. You started to hear, you know, started to bubble up from the bottom where some of those players, maybe in Tuttle's spot or my spot, were going, hey, man, we appreciate everybody getting the interest in the game again, but we're starting to be lost here. And we're losing money and everybody was off that uh, playing field. And we're kind of in a similar situation here with a sign stealing. Everybody's bitching and moaning now because they're going, oh, but that team's so much better at it. And I'm with Tuttle in the sense that I don't think there's going to be major changes in divisions. I think good teams are good. Good teams got great with the sign stealing. Middle of the road teams kind of stayed middle of the road, but the Orioles, 
the Reds, you know, they, they're going to have a better season this year because they've made some moves. But the Mariners, those teams weren't going to be able to take advantage of the sign stealing as much as great hitters were, great lineups. You know, those guys were really going to be able to take advantage of it. And the other thing I think that's kind of kind of interesting, in this day and age, I talk about analytics a lot. Everybody wants to know more about uh, the data, the information, everything that we are collecting, everything that we collect as far as a baseball team, if I'm the Astros, is to help my team win the baseball game. So we've got tendencies, we've got percentages, we've got pitch counts, we've got, you know, where where guys have a tendency to throw that baseball. And guess what we still do? We still try and steal signs. I just want everybody to know how hard baseball is. No matter how much information you've got, you're still going to be guessing as a hitter trying to go out there. And I, I read something interesting the other day, and I haven't investigated the, the uh, uh, this will probably be the last thing I say on this, but, uh, you know, there'll actually be one more thing, and it might be in don't bet on it. But uh, the interesting thing was, is there's an actual article out there uh, when, uh, who is it, Bobby Thompson, the shot heard around the world? There's a story. 1954, that he had, San Francisco yeah. Giants. Are. Yes, you're exactly right. But the funny thing about that is, as much as, as unexpected as it was, there's a story going around. I haven't been able to look it up where he got the signs. They knew what pitch was coming. Well, I mean, we can even go more recently with Kirk Gibson. And this isn't even knowing the sign or knowing the pitch, but, uh, but, it, Mel but it, was Didier, a, it was a form of right. tipping or, yeah. That's right. Mel Didier did a bunch of research and he was Great with call. the Diamondbacks when I was there. And Mel Didier was the advanced scout and he told Kirk Gibson and they said, look, Dennis Eckersley has thrown a backdoor slider when he's down in the count 3-2 like 99% of the time. Something like that. And to a left-handed hitter, like backdoor slider, you just give up on it. And mm -hmm. Kurt Gibson got all over the plate and just hooked it out. And, I mean, that's that's what the game is, right? I mean, that's why Tom Brady steps up to the, the line of scrimmage and they're checking and yelling, you know, all the stuff they're yelling, kill, 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 and, you know, go back to the first play or, no, 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 this guy's the mic and we're going to go to the second play. I mean, all of that stuff is either to deceive the opponent or to, you know, make a move into something that you think is going to be more effective. And baseball players do the same thing. So I think your point is well warranted. I appreciate you putting me in the same boat as you during the steroid era. What I wish is that we got the memo. You know, that's something that is now 10, 20, 30 years later where the memo is like, oh yeah, they accepted it and the audiences were coming back and the Sosa McGuire thing. It's like, yeah, but they didn't send us a memo saying that, hey, you know, we're accepting steroids now. We're not testing for it. They didn't You're send right. that, you know? And, and I said, steroids were illegal um, in society, not in baseball. They weren't testing for it. But, you know, I think a lot of people, I think CJ Nikowski has made this point on Fox Sports before. Um, he made the point that uh, he was more concerned about having a, something shipped across state lines and having like a federal indictment or a federal charge against him by trying <laughs> to acquire steroids that weren't for him. So I don't know if I had that concern, but to your point is it's fun now to say, oh, baseball was accepting of it and they would have let us do it. Um, you know, that wouldn't have been a choice. I mean, you didn't chew tobacco. I didn't chew tobacco for very long. I mean, steroids would have been a huge leap from that even. So, you know, there are guys that kind of kept their moral compass and their moral wits about them. And you were able to have success. You know, Greg Maddox had success without steroids. So there are those guys out there too. Yeah, I did the best with what I, what I, what I was given, not what I injected. So, I mean, obviously the money would have been better. Maybe I retired a little bit earlier, but you know, I have no, 
you know, I have no reservations about how I handled her or even how those guys handled it. They, like you said, they were going to be Hall of Famers anyways. Maybe there were a handful of guys that went out there and maybe got a two, three year deal and got paid a little bit more, but they disappeared into the woodwork after that. But uh, as far as the sign stealing and this is just to finish this thing off for me, Major League Baseball will survive this. This is not a PED crushing, you know, it, it it's an issue. But Major League Baseball is going to survive this because the talent is too good. These players are great, and the game will move on from this. It's just a matter of how they do move on from that. And I think that's where Rob Manfred and a lot of the uh, quote-unquote nerds inside Major League Baseball really have to come up with a a way to uh, monitor the situation. But I'm not sure that they're going to be able to do that immediately. It's going to take some time to figure out what's best for that because you do need the video replay rooms now that we have replay in baseball. And I think, quote, quote unquote, nerds, uh, lawyers, yeah. you mean? I think lawyers probably is the first word. And then nerds. Well, after- it's funny that, you know, nerd <laughs> is such a wide ranging, full, all encompassing word as saying it as an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> because true. it's basically anybody who hasn't touched the field as far as an athlete is concerned. Yeah. Then you, you then you qualify as a nerd. Yeah. Well, nowadays with me, like selling medical technology or software and stuff, it's kind of like if somebody calls me a geek, I'm super happy about it. That means yeah, you, I you've like accomplished something. what I'm doing. I'm like, yes, I get the you know software <laughs> as a service or whatever. I can understand it. So, yep. yeah. Anyway. All right. So should we lead off with Blum and Blummer today and then go? Oh, to, we uh, can. Yeah, let's do that. You're on a roll. Why don't we start off with Blum and Blummer and hear what Lloyd and Harry have to say about Mr. Blum here. Huh. I expected the Rocky Mountains to be a little rockier than this. I was thinking the same thing. Jeff Blum's. Full of shit, man. And there they are. We always love uh, Lloyd and Harry. That show was actually on TV the other day, and I forced my kids to watch it again. They were just like, Dad... This is the dumbest movie ever. And I just, my fire back is, duh. It's called Dumb and Dumber, man. Enjoy it. But uh, after forcing my kids to watch that, I've only got a quick uh, couple of Blum and Blummers. Uh, one I want to bring up, and this is obviously uh, close to to Tuttle and I, because Josh Jacobs was on our fantasy football team. And he was a lot of fun. He's a great story. But I had no idea until I read this USA Today article that he actually grew up homeless. I had no idea. And so his dad, you know, him and his brothers and sisters, whoever, and his dad were living out of their car. Just recently, he bought his dad a house. And I mean, there's not too many times that I read an article about a football player and I kind of like get a little like salty and like, man, that was a good article, you know, but that, I'm, that I'm really... cutting onions. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it, where's the onions? I see some chopped <laughs> onions. Over here. So that one kind of got me. And I love, I love those stories. So often in football, baseball, all of these major sports, you hear about the guy who's busted for drugs or busted for this or did that or wasted his money, blew that. This is a great story. Josh Jacobs, I mean, if you have a chance, just kind of research what he's done. He wasn't the main guy uh, in college, goes to uh, Oakland, ends up being a phenomenal running back and a great pickup for us in fantasy football. But using his money to give it back to his dad and show him the love for getting him to the point where he is in his life. I I truly enjoy those kinds of things. And then uh, talking about books, um, I was going to ask you, Tuttle, what kind of books do you read? Now, I'm more of a guy who, I'm an entertainment guy. I read for entertainment. I, I do read for research. I do read for knowledge. You know, I'm obviously interested in leadership skills, uh, the mental edge in, in sports, or maybe family-oriented. I'll read some faith-based type books every once in a while if they catch my eye. But for the most part, 
I'm an entertainment guy. And here's talking about military and special ops and first responders. So those are the books that usually jump out at me. But I want everybody at home to know that I'm currently reading uh, Vince Flynn's books. He has a series with a character called Mitch Rapp, who's just this basically, you know, this Navy SEAL on roids just going out, wiping out the, you know, terrorist cells all across the world. And he basically carte blanche can go out and do whatever he wants. And he has a couple of senators in his pocket. You know, the director of the CIA loves him. But that that's kind of what I'm into. But Tuttle, what kind of books do you read? Yeah, that sounds very realistic. Some guy that's got sinners' <laughs> yeah, pockets just, going out wiping out cells all by himself. Ram- like, I want to meet watch this guy. Rambo over and over yeah, again. Superhero guy. <laughs> you know, those books actually sound good though, because I do like entertainment books. When I read for entertainment, though, I typically read murder mysteries. I've been reading a guy named uh, I always screw up his first name. It's Horowitz. Um, he ties his real life in. I think he's tied to writing. He was the first author that was. Um, asked by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's foundation to kind of continue some Sherlock Holmes stories if he wanted to embellish on those. His, uh, his, his, let's see, I think um, The Sentence is Death and The Word is Murder are the two that I read recently. Those are the books I read for entertainment. Uh, I also read leadership's book, leadership books. I gave you a book over the holidays. I, I, I tend to read a lot of nonfiction, um, Malcolm Gladwell, um, Jocko's book, like, you know, yeah. uh, echelon front kind of stuff, leadership. Jocko's um, coming out with a new book, by the way, on leadership. Should be yeah, good. I saw that. A lot yeah. of his a lot of his stuff is written like in a manual form, which I kind of like. I mean, you know, th- he actually touched on that in his podcast. It's written like— You heard the same one I did because I was oh, just going to say. He said that he he absorbs the information better that way, so he writes like it. Yeah. And also you can refer back to it like, all right, yep. oh, chapter three was about this kind of, you know, I need the I need the manual for this specific thing. And I kind of like that. And I mean, it's not fun to read. It's not an easy read. But I like that when you're trying to implement kind of new either foundational things or new kind of ideas into your life. Like we all make New Year's resolutions. A manual is a really good way to do it. So I heard he has a new book, but I do read a lot of like Malcolm Gladwell and I've you know read Jocko's book. But there are a ton of like nonfiction books that I will read just to kind of, I find those more entertaining. Even I read the the book on the Golden State Killer written by um, Patton Oswalt's wife, which most people didn't know the comedian's wife wrote that. And she wrote this oh, book wow. that led detailed all the way up to this guy's the, you know, the number one guy, uh, serial killer that had never been caught. And she died of cancer um, about three months before they actually caught the guy and the police said oh no her research had nothing to do with it there's a little hook there but uh yeah so i'll read you know kind of dark you know i don't know murder mystery stuff more so than navy seal i mean i've read nelson demille like when i was younger that's a guy who writes stuff like you're you're Mm -hmm. talking about like kind of unrealistic like cop detective stuff it's always a single guy you know you know, he's sleeping with all these young women that kind of come across his path, whether they want to kill him or not. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm all over the I'm all over the board. But for entertainment, it's usually like murder mysteries or, as you said, kind of like um, war stuff. I, um, Joe Rogan has started reading a lot of um, American history stuff about the uh, the Indian tribes that were here prior. And I started reading some of that stuff. He had a, he had the author on for some book. Um, I can't remember right, right off the top of my head, but I'm I'm all over the map. I mean, it really just kind of whatever floats my boat. No, that's cool. You know, it's it's interesting. You kind of get to get a little insight into Tuttle and myself. It's just something that kind of caught my eye because when you did give me the book, I'm actually at the end of one of my books with Vince Flynn. So obviously, it's sitting on my nightstand waiting to be read. I can't wait to get into that Malcolm Gladwell book. But 
that's going to do it for Blum and Bomber. That's all I had. Short, quick, some lively talk, maybe a little insight into what we're doing in our downtime when we're not doing the podcast. And that, of course, is going to lead us into, because I know everybody's sick and tired of my, my act right now, we're going to get right into what'll Tuttle say. Yeah, I got a short and sweet one today, too. I got some other topics, but uh, we're kind of up against the clock here for uh, the end of the day. We just wanted to make sure we got some stuff out for the folks. So this kind of goes along with the the Weddle Tuttle Say theme of the past uh, five podcasts. So I think we've found... Get off niche. my lawn! No, not quite that. We found <laughs> we've, We have found a new niche, though, uh, which is, you know, kind of like quirks and complaints. I think it started way back early on with the first Blum and Blummer about the uh, AirPods. <laughs> and people can't hear you and they wear them everywhere. But uh, my thing now, and I did this, is I asked my wife the other night. You were telling stories about, um, you know, your dog on the couch and your wife having a great one-liner. I said, oh, uh, my son, Tyler. I'm like, did you ask Tyler to, you know, do ABC? And she goes, no, no, no. And I said, all right, well, let me hustle up there. She goes, no, no, no I texted him. And I'm like, what do you mean you texted him? Like, we're sitting downstairs. He's upstairs. She texted him in the house. I'm like, oh, dude. I think. Texting in a house, I'm sure I see you nodding your head. I oh, think man. this is a common thing. I think this is a generational changer. Like, yeah, Tyler's upstairs doing his homework. So instead of going up there and saying, hey, son, how you doing? We're now texting in the house. My daughters don't have phones yet. They're younger than your daughters. That's coming, though. I mean, they've they've already got the the date on their calendar for when they hit middle school and they're a little more independent. But I'm like, we are now. I mean, Texting in the house gives people the impression that I live in like a 15,000 square foot house and it's like it's half a mile to get down to the other house. Folks, I just want to let you know I live in Orange County, California. I do not live in a huge <laughs> expanse of a house. As a matter of fact, my voice can typically carry uh, the, the length of the house if I give it a good holler like, hey, come down here. But uh, yeah, texting in the house. So I, I wanted to bring that up and what will Tuttle say not so much to rail against it or complain. I'm the kind of guy, and this goes to my fitness thing, when I'm working, uh, I don't take elevators. I take the stairs in a building. I always take the stairs up and down. I like that. Uh, in my house, if I say, hey, kids, run up and get something, and I get an eye roller, I don't want to go. I hustle up the stairs. I go up and down the stairs. I, I look at all these things as kind of an opportunity to you know, stay active and stuff. But uh, texting in the house has got to be a new low. And, uh, you know, the get off my lawn guy just wanted to lay that out there that I have not evolved enough to start texting within the house. And uh, my wife said, no, I just texted him. And guess what? He responded right away and it was all good. And it was a really easy way to accomplish the task. So I guess it's it's, you know, it's a statement, but it's also a question like I'm, I'm slow to slow to get on board and maybe I need to jump on board. Yeah. No, you're slow. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have no problem saying of course. that. <laughs> because I've got I've got three 15 year olds, a 16 year old, and I can I'm much like you. If you've been on the field and you need to get somebody's attention, we have another gear that we can put our voice into to to project far enough to get what our point across, number one, but also to get the attention of somebody. So I'm with you. In our house, it, we the girls are upstairs. Corey and I, our room is downstairs, so there's some separation there. And we're in the mode now where everybody kind of scatters to their rooms. And it's tough. I can sit there and I can launch, you know, hey, girls. And somebody will respond. But, dude, we've been texting. In a, we have a family group text that we have. 
and a majority of it is Corey and I will be downstairs. The dishes need to be done. Fire out the text. All of a sudden, you hear a door open. Somebody comes downstairs. The dishes are getting done. Hey, how you doing? Thanks for doing the dishes. The laundry goes off. Guess what? Laundry's done on the group text. And you know what's crazy about that? Wait until you get your girls a phone and you have the group family text and you're working or you're on a road trip or you're calling a game and all of a sudden your phone is just littered with just texts like, okay, hey, no, I did it. Oh, your turn. I'm on my court. And it just, <laughs> rattles, just <laughs> all the way through the broadcast because somebody has to do laundry. Somebody has to do the dishes. Who didn't pick up the dog poop? Who takes out the trash this week? Yeah, you're, you're just, you need to open up and understand that you are just about, you're on the tip of the iceberg. You're about to get into it. No wonder you uh, text me during your broadcast if I send you a quick text because you're trying to avoid other texts. <laughs> There's a there's it's an the old there's an old line that I saw. It said, "I've never been held hostage or kidnapped, but I've been on a group text." <laughs> I think that's the truth. That is a I, great it is the quote. Truth. So I think that one's ideal. So you're in like you know Cincinnati, Ohio, oh. or wherever else. Like, hey, you know, I'm traveling across this great country. You're in St. Louis, and uh, you're on this family group text about emptying the dishwasher. You're like, "Can I find a way to exit this text?" And then you realize it's your family. It'd be one thing if it was like a group of buddies. You're like, "All right, I'll yeah. just get out of it for now." It's your family text. You have no, you're not even at home. You have no relation to it. Yet here I've got you no are. No impact like, either. I mean, everything I say because I'm out of the house is pointless. It's worthless. Yeah, yeah. Hey, get down here and do it now. You're like, no, it doesn't work. So, all right, well, I'm going to have to evolve, but it just struck me. I'm like, this would be a perfect Waddle Tuttle topic. We've got, you yeah. know, we've covered AirPods. We've covered people not paying attention when they're on their phones. I figured texting in the house is one. And, uh, you know, there are plenty of things I have to get with the program on, and this is probably just another one. And that's yep. it for Waddle Tuttle Say. I like it. Good stuff on what'll total say. I mean, this is and what's beautiful about that and what we try and do in those in those segments is really try and bring it home and let everybody know that we are we're living the same life. You know, in different parts of the world, we're doing the same thing. So I hope that everybody at home or in their car or at the gym is listening to this get a little gets a little chuckle out of it because Sometimes the funniest conversations are the reality of the conversation, and we know a lot of people are going through that. Um, if we have time, we are going to hit on don't bet on it because the wild card weekend is over. The Texans have moved on, so that keeps it a little more Houstonian, and I know that you being a NorCal guy, you might be a little bit of a Niners fan. I'm not sure, but uh, this weekend is a big weekend. Saturday, I'm going to go one by one for you, Tell You're going to be my – I'm going to give you the odds. You're going to give me the pick and maybe a little reason why if you want. First one, we're going to go right up there into the northwest. Vikings are going to the San Francisco 49ers. San Francisco is minus seven, and the over-under is at 45 and a half. What do you got? Uh, I'm just going to take the Niners. Uh, I'm going to take the Niners because they've been the best team all year and they have a great defense. And I think Minnesota did a great job last week in, in New Orleans. And uh, a lot of people had some thoughts about that. I have some thoughts about uh, the replay stuff that we can touch on next uh, oh, man, yeah. next podcast because we do not need replay in Major League Baseball. That's what it keeps teaching us over and over and over again. And I will make sure that I save that note for next time. we got to touch on replay in basketball yep. and football and how you know the MLB people – clamoring to open up that little Pandora's box. Do not want to do that. Um, so I'm just going to take the Niners. I don't know about seven points. I'm always a little leery when it gets above a touchdown, but I'll take the Niners at home in that game. 
I think that's a good call. And I actually do think their defense holds them down long enough to allow the offense to score maybe a touchdown or more to get that lead. Next game, Saturday, Titans at Baltimore playing the Ravens. Baltimore minus eight and a half, over under 46 and a half. Yeah, so uh, the Titans are the hot team right now. And, uh, you know, people keep wanting to crush Tannehill. I see the Titans in a weird way. I see the Titans with Tannehill, the way he's been doing it, similar to the way the Ravens were back when they had uh, Trent Dilfer. Meaning, you know, he can crush Tannehill and say he's not doing the job and he only threw for 92 yards last game against the Patriots. They still won. I mean, hand the ball to Derrick Henry, who's six foot three, oh, 230. Man. And that guy tackle. is a beast. He's a beast. Tackle him for four quarters. So I don't know if they beat who I think is the best team in the playoffs, but I can see an upset, and I certainly see Tennessee covering eight and a half. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I was a little shocked at the over-under being as high as it was, and I was also shocked at that more than a touchdown, like you said in the game before, being at eight and a half uh, for Baltimore. So I like those so far Sunday with the big game is Texans have already beat the Chiefs at the Chiefs in the regular season. Obviously, the playoffs are a different animal. So the Texans at Chiefs, Kansas City minus nine and a half. And the over under on that one is 50 and a half, which makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, I, you know, again, I, I, I always I mean, 30 to 20, I guess, covers that spread, which could happen. I do not see Houston winning. Uh, I actually thought Buffalo should have won last week. I realized there's many Houstonians that listen to this podcast quite a few people that are uh, in our, um, you know, Twitter sphere are Houstonians, but I just don't see it. Love JJ Watt, love Deshaun Watson. You can love the individual players, love, you know, Nuke Hopkins or Nuke Hopkins, but uh, I just don't see them winning. So uh, nine and a half is a big spread, but I'm taking the Chiefs. So if we're just going to parlay everything, we take Niners, Titans, Chiefs, and then the last game. That's a good one. And that Texans-Bills game was one of the ugliest football games I think I've ever seen in my life. I could not believe the, the, the between the officiating and play calling and the first half of no points for the Texans and the, the amount of what the hells. And <laughs> I wish I, I should have been keeping track of how many tweets I actually deleted because I wanted to send them because I was so fed up with how the game was going. Yeah. But luckily, uh, it panned out for the Texans. But they are going to run into a buzzsaw out there in, in uh, Kansas City because Mahomes is extremely good. And I think that extra week always benefits the uh, benefits the home team right there. But the final game this Sunday is going to be the, the Seattle Sea Chickens and the Packers. Packers minus 4.5, over under 46.5, which hmm, it's going to be cold, isn't it? It's going to be cold. I'm just going to take the Packers. I realize that all the prognosticators, they thought if Seattle had, let's see, I don't know if they had, had home field advantage, there would have been some, um, you know, some benefit there. But, uh, you know, and I've heard some other folks say that the Packers aren't as good as everybody thinks they are, similar to the Patriots, right? The way they start off this year and their defense was unstoppable. And, you know, the Patriots were kind of mediocre. So uh, I'm just going to take the Packers at home. I got them to cover. You know, I say they win like 27 to 20. I know Russell Wilson's full of magic, but, uh, you know, the Eagles are a better team than they showed, especially with the back. Uh, they, you know, they were playing a lot of second stringers, including at quarterback. But 17 to 9, eh, I don't know. I, I just, I just, I've never been a Sea Chickens fan. I am a Russell Wilson fan. I keep saying that. The guy seems to be magic. But, mm -hmm. uh 
yeah, I just don't see them moving on playing up in Green Bay when it's probably, I'm guessing, at the weather. Let me guess, like 20 degrees. I, I was going to say, isn't that just a given this time of year just to say, what is, what's the weather in Green Bay? Cloudy and yeah. 20. Yeah. But, so uh, really the only upset I have would be the Titans. And I, I and I don't know if the Titans are going to win outright. I just see them I see them covering. So Yeah, that should be an interesting game. I, I actually like the teams that are in the playoffs, and I enjoy the the way they play. I like the way the coaches game plan. I think there are opportunities, like you're saying, as far as the Titans Ravens, which would be a huge upset because I think everybody's sold on Lamar Jackson being the MVP and they're all sold on the Ravens going to the Super Bowl because they played such, such good football. But at the same time, I think Mike Vrabel, you know, the head coach for them having played defense against very good teams in his career and understanding his personnel might be able to find a way or pick somebody who can actually spy on Jackson and keep him in the pocket and force him to throw it and force him to play a little more traditional game. But the Lamar's dude, the guy's a freak, man. Um, put up some yes. great numbers. So that is don't bet on it. But if yeah, you let are, me finish, let me finish. Don't bet on it with just that. Uh, the last podcast I picked LSU and Clemson to win. They did. I think I have LSU winning. How do it. I forget about this. That's, That's okay. why I'm so bad. No, it was a long time oh. ago, but so I got those right. So I got LSU and Clemson in and I did say LSU is going to win it all. Let me just, it's always nice to have a caveat since it's don't bet on it. Um, I could definitely <laughs> see Clemson winning. Let's put it that way. I mean, I, I for sure covering, but uh, mm-hmm. but you know what? It might be Joe Burrow's year. Everything else has gone his way, and sometimes it's good to ride the hot hand. The championship games typically don't turn out the way you think they're going to. So, and you know, Trevor Lawrence led them to the championship last year, and we've seen Deshaun uh, Watson do the last second heroics to Renfro a couple of years ago against Alabama. Clemson is not going to back down from this moment. They're ready for it. But uh, but I'll still I'll still stick with my original prognostication, which is LSU. Good call. All righty. Cool. <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw a pillow at the door because my dog is scratching at it. That's all right. I didn't my hit dog the dog. Right. It's just uh, it's just a distraction. Okay. Easy PETA. <laughs> Easy PETA. Easy PETA. Hopefully PETA's listening. That means we have more listeners. That'd be outstanding. Yeah. More listeners, the better. And obviously, we appreciate everybody being here. It's been another good podcast. I think we did leave some topics on the table. We hope we cleared some stuff up. Um, as far as the sign stealing and also welcoming back to the new year. And that's what it's all about. And it's been an interesting new year up to this point because we always like to end our podcast with a, a subtle word to those who serve and the first responders who are here at home protecting us as far as law enforcement and, you know, paramedics, doctors, and all those people. We really appreciate everything you do because you step in harm's way to make sure that we have a quality of life that allows us to put out a podcast like Bleacher Blums. But with the state of affairs across the world, we know that a lot of you are being deployed. We hope that you take your your iPhones with you and you take your social media. Stay in contact with everybody. Make sure you hit Tuttle and I up on Twitter and Instagram at RealDavidTuttle, at Blummer27. Let us know how things are going. We are praying for you. We're, we're, we're cheering for you. We love you. We appreciate everything you're doing for us. And hopefully it's just an exercise that you guys get that all of y'all Male, female, get on that plane, go out there and offer to protect our country. But uh, we all pray that everybody gets back safely. And we absolutely appreciate everything you put on the line to keep us safe here at home. That's all I got. How, how do I top that, Blummer? Lead us out. That's going to do it here for Bleacher Blums. And we always have two more things we want to ask of you as the podcast ends. We want you to get after it. And most of all, you got to believe it. <laughs>